This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. For our guest today, we're really honored and excited to welcome David Plotkin, architect and principal of WDA. David founded and operated his own Tucson, Arizona firm, concentrating on envisioning and implementing commercial and residential projects built within environmentally responsible practices. He's also designed and managed projects for firms in New York, Nashville, Chicago, and Los Angeles, including Frank Geary and Associates and Morphosis Architects. For more information, feel free to visit their website at WDA or WDArch.com. That's WDARCH.com. David, welcome. Thank you for being here. Really honored. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. David, you have a, a terrific, uh, as I said, uh, I call it a t- tagline, a byline is modern design that lives well. Can you share with your audience what that really uh, means and matters to you and, and your firm? Sure, sure. Well, to break it down, I mean, why modern design is important for us, um, and it's not really a style, it's what's of, of, of the moment that will still maintain some permanence. Um, that's really important to us. Um, and modern design is taking everything we've learned to date, you know, traditional, um, contextual, modern, um, and using all that knowledge and apply it to where we're going to be and where we're going to go. Because we, we always want to, um, practice thoughtful architecture and design that is going to first meet the needs and criteria of the users and the client and find kind of the best solutions to do that, that create delight. Um, and, and as we talk about, you know, um, that, you know, buildings that live well, you know, that, that continue to uh, evolve with the users as needed and um, continue to contain and uh, also transition from inside to outside. So some of that's a little broad, but that's, that's kind of a starting point of, of how we kind of see that, that modern design living well. Yeah, how would you describe the culture at your firm with that being said? Well, we first of all, it's a very collaborative environment. Um, we really want to get 
everybody engaged in the design, the technical knowledge, and mainly the problem solving, because that's that's what it's about. We're always solving problems. We're always taking criteria, trying to find the best solutions for spaces and um, technical solutions uh, for our clients. Um, you know, myself, I, I'm a little more focused with uh, clients that are um, trying to serve the public um, as as uh, a new a newly practice of commu- the community practice, which we we launched this year, which is kind of started outside of our commercial practice, but it was really a focus to say, hey, commercial is kind of catch all for us. Let's focus on the pub- public sector, kind of things that are going to serve um, the public where everybody can enjoy what we believe we're going to produce good architecture um, that's going to create better environments. Um, so we try to get everybody in, back to our office, back to you know being collaborative. Um, and there's a lot of also teaching and learning. Uh, some of the best things um, that uh, I'm really proud of at WDA, especially coming from working at different, many different firms, small, large, also being on my own. Um, there's, it's really an environment for teaching and learning. And that's important because it's not just myself and others who are kind of more in leadership and have been here for a while teaching others. I'm continuing to learn and teach. And so not only are we trying to encourage an atmosphere of learning and an understanding that we're all evolving, all of us. We want everybody to be a part of that, not just taking it in and learning, but also teaching others. So we get even our, you know, our um, kind of our younger folks, even to, as they start to grow and get elevated, they start to delegate. They start to learn how to manage things, how to work with a team. So it's not just a lot of people getting instructions from, you know, a few. It's we're all at different levels trying to grow together. And so that that's something that I really appreciate. And um, and uh, and, you know, uh, just want to acknowledge the, the importance that people fail and it's OK to fail. And the best thing you can do is understand what went wrong and learn from it. Um, so we want, we want to just support, support our, um, our organization, our employees, and make sure that the stress is not coming from internally, because we all have a lot of stress in the world of architecture dealing with many different aspects, technically and client criteria. But, um, how do we eliminate things we can control here in the office? Well said. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure your audience is grateful as well. Uh, go back to, you mentioned, create delight. Can you share what that is? It means to you and to uh, your clients to create that delight. Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, a lot of us who love architecture and design take it really seriously. Um. But there's part of the delight is the humanity in it. So, you know, we talk about modern design and people, some people who don't fully understand all aspects of modern design, maybe like, oh, that's a little cold and rigid. 
Well, that could be if you're if you're missing the delight in it. Um, how are you celebrating the light? How are you celebrating the contrast? How do you celebrate possibly some fun, something you discover? Uh, you know, sometimes we're creating architecture where we don't want to reveal everything. We might want we're we're, we're it's. It's a lot of fun when you go into a building and you, you're, you're kind of compressed and then boom, it opens up. There's delight in that. Um, there's, there's just surprise and, and something that you discover from experiencing the space and the journey. And um, also part of the delight is sometimes we're designing things, um, especially if we're dealing with a lot of user groups in different departments, um, depending on what the the client is, um, the type, where we're trying to give them delight in experiencing this building. Things they wouldn't, under, you know, they just have this building because they need this and it's just a place where, uh, you know, um, it's their office, it's a shop, it's something that, that, that you know, they're, they're just there, maybe from eight to five, possibly if it's an office, um, if it's housing. But, but where are there some special things, some some delight out of experiencing it, not just functionally, but how experiential um, to ex how do you experience it, and just be more productive depending on the atmosphere that 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 building is is holding. Excellent! This is a terrific show. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today is David Plotkin architect and principal of WDA. For more information, you can visit their website at wdarch.com. That's W-D-A-R-C-H dot com. David, that collaborative environment and the problem solving, I don't know if you've quantified a percentage of that, but I'm sure it'd be rather high. Can you share with your audience today what that means and uh, share with your experience what that collaborative environment and problem solving is to you? Sure. Uh, say, say um, it, it, it kind of, it, I guess it spans across of different parts. People think collaborative, oh, you're being collaborative to design or you're being collaborative when you're trying to work out a detail in architecture. But, but um, you know, we start with, in a project, you start to understand what are the goals and objectives. Well, instead of it just being a few of us and then later just passing on and delegating the work, as much as we can, and sometimes Fee may, may challenge this, we try to get the whole team involved to understand from the get-go what this project is and how are we going to move forward? What are the what are the goals and objectives of the clients? What are our own goals and objectives that we want to bring to this with our expertise? So we, we start there. When we design, it's not one person, it's not a few people designing. A lot of times everybody on the team starts to have a piece of looking at different aspects of the design. We might even actually have a few people design the same thing um, just because it might generate b better ideas when we actually okay, let's spend an hour or two, and then let's 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 pin some stuff up and huddle around it and talk about it. And and I love the things I continue to learn 
from even some of our youngest staff of of qualities of the project that I didn't even think of or I, I didn't have that perspective. So I guess I've through the years been surprised and 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 maybe the 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 longer I go, uh I I, I see how much I don't know. As much as I do know and I feel comfortable. Um what I also realize is there's always a lot of ideas out there. So we're always trying to encourage that that generation. And even when we're looking at details or we have a problem that came up, uh, a fire drill. Sometimes, yeah, only a few of us, we have to solve it real quickly. But, you know, if we have time, we'll bring it to the team. And what that does is it it's 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 not only important to be inclusive um, because we are a team. And that's why we work together is we're a team We're we're not sole proprietors. Um, but we also learn together because although there are times I can just call the shots and do this and that and the other thing, there's value in me hearing and bouncing ideas and getting other people's opinions, but it's also valuable for others to hear the problem and hear the discussion of what are some solutions, options, and what, what, where do we want to go? What do we want to propose? And we just all learn from that. And, and what happens is I think we grow a little bit quicker when we're all, you know, get to be a part of the process. Um, so it goes back to that kind of teaching and learning. So I don't know how to put a percentage on it, but, you know, what we can do that works well to meet the objectives of the clients with their schedule, their design goals, their functional goals, and the, and the, the fee you know, we try to push um, for as much collaboration as we can on every aspect of the project. Can you just talk again about that you continue to learn from the young staff, that, that there's an openness and a curiosity? How about we do that? What, what, how important do you feel curiosity is to your practice? I, I think it's one of the most essential pieces because... Um, I, I, you know, through the years I've gotten to know myself and, uh, I know that as I mentioned, there's a lot I know and I feel comfortable doing, but there's a lot out there. There's, there's a, a world of knowledge and there's a world of ideas. And, um, if my goal is to have the best solutions to problem solving, why wouldn't I open it up and try to hear what the options are? You know, so there's a lot of, in design we do this, we iterate. And in my opinion, it's important to iterate with design, with, with ideas. And not just people individually, but iterating with ideas um, together. And I just find that I just continue to learn a lot by working on something myself and then checking in with others and bouncing ideas off and then hearing their ideas. And it just, it helps me, or I've learned, helps me and the project get in the team, get to better solutions. I don't want to later find out that someone had a great idea and they didn't speak up. So I, there's, a, there's a level of transparency, right? So we, we get all the ideas out. And sometimes it's our gut, and sometimes we have to think a little bit and let 
let something simmer on our head and come back to it the next day. Um, but um, I think a little tangent. Um, I also taught briefly um, for a couple of years when I was uh, working in Tucson, working for a firm that was near the University of Arizona. And I taught some first-year students and some second-year students. And that was a real eye-opener of the things I would learn because it was a very, it, it's studio, mm -hmm. it's architecture design, it's theoretical. And there's, a, there's less parameters, which is interesting. And to see all these different individuals and, you know, these students, I would learn a lot just going around and doing desk crits. You know, there's, there's goals and objectives of the project. But just to find out how they see it, how did they interpret the problem they need to solve and how did they come up with ideas that they're going to solve it and propose ideas? And I always was like, you know, to see the talent come out um, where, um, you know, as as I get older in my career, um, you know, I might get um, maybe may limited because, well, you want to do this because it's just easier technically. And I might not think a little outside the box on this and that, but to have the young energy, uh, you know, at school and here in the office to have ideas that are kind of, um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, um, they don't have the bias I might already have. Um, I think is really important and it pushes, it, it pushes the ideas to different areas and make sure that we just uncover the different, um, the different options out there to solve the design um, to just maybe a, a better solution. There's a, a theme here, the, the young energy, because energy is always evolving. And you mentioned that word a couple of times at the beginning, evolving. What, what was your inspiration to even become an architect? If you can uh, mm. mind sharing wow. that. Um I don't know if there's one thing. I can speak on a few things I can remember. Okay. Um, I always love putting things. You hear this all the time, I know. So it's a little cliche, but putting things together with, uh, you know, Lincoln Logs and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Rector Sets and Legos. That that was me at a very young age. Um, and uh, I, I just, I remember at a young age going into, you know, I grew up mostly in suburbia here and there. Um, my dad was career military and we moved around, but I can remember going into like even residential, um, buildings, uh, some people's homes and stuff. And, and once in a blue moon going into something that was exceptional was, mm. I'd say modern and, and it took away the ornamentation and I saw the craft of some, maybe some really clean and detailing that had some rigor and used light and color and spatially was interesting maybe into you know some different type volumes you walk through and how the house was organized of private and public and i can remember that at kind of as a kid and definitely think going to visit you know civic buildings being inspired by you know say you go to dc and you see on the on the mall uh you know some very traditional buildings and then some very modern buildings and i um i always i shouldn't say always but i i remember 
I remember being intrigued by the juxtaposition of old and new. Mm. And so that's where then later, as I became an architect, that always, that became very important to me. Um, how you can repurpose buildings and express the old and the new. But back to your question of in, inspiration, I, I think it, for me, it was a, experiential. Mm. Um, it was just something, I, I don't know why it spoke to me, but you know, it just spoke to me at a young age. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate to go to school that in high, uh, you know, in high school that had a lot of different type of art classes and I was, get, I was able to explore, which um, gets into something, you know, very important. Um, back to your question of inspiration is how do we, how do we inspire, you know, young architects, uh, t- uh, potential future architects, you know, how do we inspire them? Like, um, and I'll, I can go into it in a second uh, a little bit more sure. on that, but I'll, I'll stop there. Okay, excellent. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our public service announcement for today's show with David Plutkin is for Habitat for Humanity. The Habitat for Humanity is a global nonprofit housing organization working in local communities across all 50 states in the United States and in approximately 70 countries. Their vision is of a world where everyone has a decent place to live. Habitat works towards their vision by building strength, stability, and self-reliance in partnerships with families in need of decent and affordable housing. Habitat home Owners help build their own homes alongside volunteers and pay an affordable mortgage. For more information, you can visit their website at habitat.org. Again, we're talking today with David Plotkin, architect and principal of WDA. For more information, feel free to visit their website at wdarch.com. That's W-D-A-R-C-H dot com. David, as we were talking before, we uh, proudly acknowledge the Habitat for Humanity, the inspiration and the continuation of how to keep this architecture as a caretaker of a legacy in, uh, into, the, uh, into now and in the future. Share with us, please. Sure. Your thoughts. Yeah. Um, so one of the big challenges is I, I see is something that hasn't changed in architecture since I got into it, which is, um, I, I think, a certain level of diversity. It's still a big problem. Uh, on one hand, I've definitely, since, you know, let's say I started uh, in school about in the early 90s and uh you know our 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 studios were diverse with uh let's say with men and women but i i don't think culturally there was a lot of diversity and one of the things i see now in the workplace especially being in a place like san francisco and you know if you're in bigger cities there's there's definitely uh, i'm happy to see there's a higher percentage of women in architecture. Um, you know, I, I think it's still sad that it's that it doesn't reflect 
the percentage of population between men and women, but you know that's getting better. What's really sad is you know in these about thirty years since I've kind of really gotten uh, aware of of the demographics of architecture, the practice of architecture. I should say the practice of architecture. I think the academic world is a bit different, but in the practice of architecture in the practical world, I feel like the percentage of uh, minorities is still quite small. Um, and I, I, I don't want to misrepresent the, um, the actual um, data and, and, and figures, but I heard something recently, and, and so take this with a grain of salt, that, you know, in about 30 years ago, uh, minorities were about well, let's say at least African Americans were about two percent, uh, maybe less, of architects that were practicing. And someone told me that recently, when they honored someone uh, with um, you know their involvement with uh, diversity, equity, inclusion um, at the AIA conference recently, that the gentleman who was getting the award—I apologize, I don't remember his name was basically saying that the statistics are the same in the past 30 years, that today there's still a very low number, or at least people who are staying in the field um, that are African-American. And then uh, maybe in the larger picture of minorities, it's still a small, small number. And I think that's really sad for the profession because as I mentioned before, collaboration of young people who have different experiences, I see the same thing in different cultures of the architects I work with, uh, with different backgrounds. It really adds to the design and the problem solving because we all come from different places and we all have different points of reference that can only help, in my opinion, because it's information, it's data, it's experience. And again, I want to I want to uncover everything we could be considering when we're coming up with ideas to solve a design or solve a problem. So I say all this, which is quite apropos today, because we have a program at William Duff Architects. It's, um, it's called Art Camp. Uh, we've been doing this for at least a few years, and um, we have contacted and solicited, let's say, high schools in more and say maybe less privileged areas in the bay and to welcome students if they want to learn about architecture be a part of this kind of program we have where you might meet like uh once every few weeks after school or sometime and that's how we kind of set it on the past few years this this year we actually decided to do just kind of a full day workshop where we would invite all the students and we'll just kind of compress it into one day instead of spreading it out into multiple weeks and then having a gathering at the end. And it's actually to introduce them to architecture, you know, letting them know, like, this is what it is. If you're considering it, you know, um, you know, let us know if you have some questions. So I'm actually, uh, that's going on today at our office. Um, Excellent. And uh, I'll be actually, I was, I was asked to be part of a panel of just, you know, a soundboard if people have questions for people at the office. Uh, but they're doing exercises here, different architectural projects, kind of like little charrettes and um, hmm. pretend, uh, uh, 
just uh, pretend projects, let's say, but just to understand like what we do and why we do it. Um, and, and just kind of intro to architecture. But where I'm going with this is I actually think we have to actually, we have to target uh, y- younger students. I don't think it, I think high school is great, but when was I starting to get interested in architecture? And when did I kind of express that? And maybe someone like a parent or a teacher kind of encouraged it. I didn't wait till high school. And and so I really want people who have that interest, that creative ability to problem solve and are interested in design and architecture or some aspect of architecture, whatever it may be. I, I want them to feel like they have the opportunity and they understand what it is at a younger age. So that's something that that we're talking about. And I think the the, the field of architecture really needs to seriously consider uh, because I don't think the numbers are changing, uh, and it's quite sad the 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 the, the low the low percentage of minorities um, in the architectural practice. Well, thank you for your contribution for doing that, David, and thank you for uh, for William Duff Ar- Architects for being a part of that. It's very uh, instrumental, and you're definitely addressing it as you said at the beginning. You're problem solvers, and that's definitely doing so. So I I commend you greatly for it. Thank you, David. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today has been David Plotkin, architect and principal at William Duff Architects, or WDA. WDA is a people-based practice that makes design process fundamentally different than the norm. They engage in the expertise of an entire team from the start and believe that when people feel connected to their work, they care more about their contributions, pushing design to greater heights. I love their tagline, modern design that lives well. That's just terrific. For more information, feel free to visit their website at wdarc.com. That's W-D-A-R-C-H dot com. The executive producer and host of the Architecture and Innovation Podcast is yours truly, Tom Dioro, and our chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. We look forward to you joining us again next time. Thank you for listening. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit cereclad.com.